Welcome, welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor YouTube Live powered by Olipop. You can go to drinkolipop.com and you can go in and type in Champion 20 to get 20% off of your Olipop purchase, whatever the 15 magnificent flavors that you choose from. Uh, or you can go to Walmart, Whole Foods, Sprouts, or Target and find Olipop. We want to thank them once again for being a proud sponsor. Um, if you notice, Jesse Crittenton is here filling in for Parker Thune. No, Parker is not sick. He is out traveling to Cincinnati because uh, I believe like his sister-in-law, something that I, a family member is getting married out there, coincidentally, and he's out there driving with his wife on the road and could not stop and find a perfect place to join us. So Jesse is going to... Uh, DH force a little bit today, uh, pinch hit, if you will. Uh, proud to have Jesse on with us today. Also, big news before we get to the other more pertinent big news for you Sooners fans. The tailgate is on, folks. It is on, it is on. Thank you to Russell Jenkins, uh, one of our main contributors to OU Insider YouTube Live, one of the name main donors uh, for helping set up this venture so if you are in norman we will send out the location it will be on lindsey street just letting y'all know come see us we will be giving away some uh free ou insider stuff all kinds of stuff we have you get to hang out with parker me jesse brian the whole crew from ou insider will be there pregame we're gonna hang out with you this will be iowa state so tailgating galore uh, it will be uh, bring your BYOB for just a bit, potentially. I may bring some with me or potentially uh, purchase a keg for you alcoholics. Uh, we're still working on that. Uh, I do know that we will have water. We're working on Olipop also as well and a couple of other things. All right. Uh, now let's get down to business, Jesse. Uh, Oklahoma tonight picked up a commitment from none other than 2024 four-star top rivals 250 defensive end Danny Okoye. Big get for Oklahoma. I think that's quite the understatement. Um, I mean, again, that power line is ridiculous. Okoye now joins David Stone, five-star, four-star Jaden Jackson, uh, top 100 overall Nigel Smith, and a guy that I feel and have been saying for the last two or three months will be one of the top three, 400, 250 players in the country and Wyatt Gilmore as well. So, and I, they're going to try not to be done. You know, they're going to try to flip a few guys, maybe add a few guys here or there through the portal. We will see how that transpires. Um, but it's such a huge get. And as you all know, he has been committed to Oklahoma silently since September 2. I mean, we we hinted towards it on OU Insider. If you're on OU Insider, you knew that. So uh, kind of a big deal for Oklahoma fans. Um, Taylor Pavey, Pavey, I don't, I want to pronounce it right. Here's my weekly $4.99, but I want this to go directly to Jesse. Congratulations for the $5, Jesse. All right. Um, there's Thank also you. a big, yeah, 
There's also <laughs> a big game this week. You were you and Parker were out. My kids had their games uh, on those two nights that we had post practice, and you guys went down there and filled in for that. Um, was there any takeaways from that post practice at all? Yeah, there were a few. Uh, I think two big ones. One was I, I actually got some one-on-one time with Nick Anderson after his initial media scrum. I got to talk to him just about how neat uh, Saturday was. Obviously, his three-touchdown performance, uh, Brandon. But one of the things that I think was really cool was I asked him, like, was Saturday's performance, you know, was it – did it? did it maybe – like, did it prove something to yourself that you can do this? Or was it more like, Hey, I'm just getting, you know, I'm just getting started. I really liked his mindset. He's really, he's really humble. Talked about how happy his teammates were for him. And that, yeah, this, that was a huge confidence booster. I think he's a guy that really is going to, to go forward and have, and have big impacts. I really liked it, man. Brandon Peyton Bowen might be the best interview on the team. He really, he really might be, he was fantastic in recruiting too, bro. Like he was awesome. And he's great when you get him away from a mic. He mm-hmm. will tell you what's on his mind, knowing that there's trust, obviously, that he's not going to go out there and you're not going to say anything that's going to inhibit his trust in the future. But he's great. As you said, like he he's so smart. Like he's so smart. And he's got such a good personality, a smile, all that. Like very engaging kid what 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 made you think of that like just how good of an interview he is well i've thought that several times since we've gotten to talk to him but it's refreshing to ask him questions and he's being you can tell it's genuine you can tell like we are one of the questions i i asked the first couple questions and asked him what was that like on saturday getting a lot of your snaps at, at cheetah i mean he had played a little bit there the first couple of games but seeing the bulk of his reps at Cheetah and he straight up said it's been, you know, he's not the most comfortable there, but he likes not being comfortable. He's making it a challenge Mm -hmm. to be comfortable there. And I think that's, that's pertinent considering that uh, Justin Harrington, obviously things don't look good for him. Uh, Reggie Pearson could be out on Saturday. So I think it's not only Peyton Bowen getting comfortable in the Cheetah position because they're going to need him there, but they're going to need to move him all around the defense. I think you're going to see him on Saturday playing a lot of safety. I think you're going to see him playing cheat. I think you're going to see him line up on the defensive line in the box. Uh, but it, it, he's just, I don't know. Like it's, it, it was, it was refreshing to ask him what was that like playing cheetah? And he was like, to be honest, it's been, it's a work in progress. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get comfortable with it. But I, I, I think the main thing Brandon is, Outside of, you know, the obvious things like Dylan Gabriel's hot start and and how incredible he's been. I think the main things are, you know, heading into the Cincinnati weekend. It's the running back room is still it's been probably the most interesting position group on the team through three weeks. Uh, Jeff Levy had a lot of interesting things to say about that. And I think this offensive line, I think it's still pretty clear that the offensive line is a work in progress, too. And they're still trying to figure out that left guard spot. Uh, in particular, and every offensive lineman we've talked to the last two weeks, Brandon, has basically said, yeah, Bill Beanbow's been pretty tough on us, and and we're not playing up to the standard right now. So you brought up Bill Beatonbow and, and the offensive line struggles. And First off, for, before we get to that, we got to get to our super chat here. Mongo, appreciate it. Um, yeah, um, he says uh, – um recording in progress 
he he said for ten dollars when when will you put in your flip forecast for Winery? You cowards, wink. <laughs> Shout out to Garrett Gabriel. Um. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. I'm gonna stay away from the whole Williams Winery stuff, but we do appreciate the super chat. I do think, and I've said this for several months, and I'm gonna continue to say it. I will not be shocked if he eventually takes a visit to Oklahoma. I won't. And I have my reasons for feeling that way. Uh, I do think September 30th could be a date to watch because it's a night game. I mean, when you're, you're talking about driving down four hours, four and a half, five hours away, those night games become the ones they circle, right, to be able to potentially do that. So I think it's big that Oklahoma goes and handles business this weekend. You start out 4-0, and then you can start pushing for visits for guys like a, a bussy that may commit to A&M, most likely, even though Oklahoma's making a run in Terry Bussey, or like a Williams Winery or a you know uh, Dominic McKinley. Like You have some leeway there if you start out hot and continue to stay hot. And I think that's something Oklahoma has to do, not just for recruiting purposes, but for momentum throughout the season and then heading into the SEC. I think this this season is just so critical for Oklahoma for multiple reasons. And then uh, Case and Halsey, towards the $5 towards the keg fund, uh, we don't want it filled with Olipop either. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um here we go. Um, you were talking about just a second ago the running back room and Bill Beatenbow and the offensive line. But isn't it very much like a Bill Beatenbow offensive line to take four or five weeks to really start to hit their stride every year? It seems like this is rinse, wash, repeat every year. And then they hit the ground running and they're one of the best O lines in the country by season's end. I think no, I think that's totally fair. And we kind of talked about this after the game on Saturday. I will say I will say I think two things can be true, Brandon. One, that there's no there's no reason to have a super, you know, it's not a five alarm fire. We do not need to be hitting the panic button about the offensive line. But Brandon, one stat that stood out to me, because I think the big thing, and this is actually a takeaway from the player interviews this this week, Brandon, was how many players talked about yeah, we're 3-0, but we were 3-0 last year. I actually think this game, this coming weekend, yes, it's a game OU's heavily favored, but I think going 4 and or starting the season 4-0 is going to be a huge, like, monkey off their back if they can do that. But along those lines, you compare the first three weeks this year compared to the first three weeks last year on the ground, OU's averaging... Recording four, stopped. OU's averaging, OU's averaging 4.3 yards per carry um, through three weeks... This year, last year, they were averaging 5.5. So, again, last year, Eric Gray was really, really great, but they were averaging almost a, a yard and a half more per carry through three weeks last year compared to this year. So I do think, like, both things can be true. And it's not just the offensive line. The running back room hasn't found a rhythm yet, but I think both two things can be true. There's no reason to panic yet. However, this is a slow start on the ground, even for a Bill Biedenbow offensive line. Yeah, Um it is. I. Who do you prefer at the left guard? Just in your opinion. 
I think I I would say that Savion Bird offers I think he offers the highest ceiling, mm-hmm. but he has also struggled with with inconsistencies there. I think it's why you not only saw Troy Everett, um, who I don't think is gonna is a spectacular offensive lineman, but I think he's solid. And that's why you saw him play more snaps than Savion Bird against SMU. But I think it's also why we saw Caden Green there, who I think Caden Green or against Tulsa, we saw Caden Green there. I think that's why, I mean, Caden Green is going to be a fantastic offensive lineman. But as far as this year specifically, theoretically, Savion Bird offers you the highest ceiling. But through three weeks, it's clear they're not fully satisfied with that left guard spot. I I don't know. Who would you say? Yeah, I I prefer either Bird or, or Troy Everett. Just my opinion. Um, that's, I think, I think Everett and Bird both have been very, very physical. Both have been very up and down as far as pass blocking goes. And, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and say, excuse me, as run blocking goes, I don't. As physical as they've been, they've also missed quite a few few assignments, and you can tell, like it's very evident. Um, in all that. So um still at the end of the day, I feel like those are your most physically gifted guys. They've got to figure out how to get them on board mentally. And I think once that takes place, I think the offensive line is going to surge quite a bit more. Um, running back room. Been weird. We thought this was going to be one of the strong points of the team heading into the season. And I think it still is. I just think the coaches are struggling figuring out a way to balance all that talent. And you don't want to ruin it to the point that everybody hits the portal. So it's a fine line nowadays on how you go about doing that. What's what's your uh, gauge on that? And who do you prefer as far as the top two guys in the rotation? Well, that's everything you said, Brandon, is right. And that's what I asked Jeff Levy on Monday during his press conference. I asked him because I think I think the the main dilemma here has been they clearly feel confident they've got three or four guys in that room that should get touches. But before the season, Jeff Levy said, we're going to ride the hot hand. So I asked Jeff Levy, Brandon, on Monday, how do you balance riding the hot hand while also trying to get your main guys on the field and, and, you know, get them into a rhythm. And he basically, Mm. he basically doubled down on hot hand. He said, going forward, we are going to exclusively ride the hot hand, but Brandon, I, I just, I think that's weird in the context of what's happened the first three weeks. And this isn't even a criticism, but through the first two weeks, Tawi Walker was easily the best running back and then didn't see a carry against Tulsa. If you're asking me who I think the best two running backs are, or certainly who offers the highest ceiling, it's Javante Barnes and, and Gavin Sawchuk. Probably Gavin Sawchuk, probably yeah. one. Um, but Gavin Sawchuk simply, and this isn't about him. He's he's been injured. He and Jeff Levy said that on Monday that he's a guy that hasn't done a ton since August second, and I think that's the tough part. Is neither of those guys looked very good against Tulsa, and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean you know, getting them back in and getting them on the field will help. But at the same time, you're starting conference play this weekend. You This isn't necessarily a situation where you can afford to give them all the reps they need until they find a rhythm. Also, not I mean, considering that Tawi Walker looked pretty dang good on the field the first two weeks. So, again, this is like the offensive line. I don't think it's about 
freaking out, but you're right. This I I have been surprised at how interesting and maybe disappointing the running back room has been through three weeks. Yeah, and I by the way, for those I see the recording thing, I'm watching it and it's not it's it's the board. Uh I hit record earlier on accident and I I stopped the recording and now it's stuck up there. Uh so Spencer, if you hear us, take it off the board, say got it. Hopefully. I don't know if he sees us. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's he's the one running the board. I can't control that part. Um I, I've I've tried. So um anyways, um did, did you did you does yours does yours say anything there? As, no. As of now, now. Yeah. See. Nothing on your Zoom. Gotcha. Yeah, this stands on Spencer's end. So, um, Brandon, Spencer, if you're there, help, help, help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, Brandon, let me let me ask you this. Let me a quick question. Let me ask you this. On a scale of one to ten, what's your what's your concern level with the running back room right now? Uh, like a five. Yeah. Like maybe. I would have said a four. Yeah, I would have said a four. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't I don't think um at all that I'm really that worried because I think eventually they're going to find their groove and whoever plays is going to play ultimately. I mean that that to me I think that's just the reality of the situation. Um I think you have to play Tawi Walker. Hey Spencer's got it now. There we go. All right Spencer, appreciate you. All right. Uh so um yeah, the <laughs> no, I, I I don't think think there's much concern. The talent's too good there, right? Like Sawchuck's speed, Barnes's ability to break tackles. I I do I. So I was talking to a coach, and not it wasn't a coach in Norman. I just want to preface this. Um, I I, I do worry a little bit about his vision right now maybe i don't know if that's a question barnes's vision because there's been a few times where i've i really felt like had he hit the hole a certain way or angled himself through it or saw or read off the butt of one of the guards of the tackles he could have done or gained a little bit more than he originally did um I think the one of the touchdowns against Tulsa was a prime example. He ran into the back of the left guard and then bounced outside after he did it. Outside was open the whole time. So there's there I do question maybe some vision issues right now and maybe that has a lot to do with limited reps because of his foot, right? Like through everything spring all that. Sometimes you lose that rhythm and you lose the ability to see things that normally you would see. And I think the same goes for Salchuk a little bit. I don't I don't question his vision. I question his patience a little bit. I think because he's trying to press and really make a significant impact the way he did in the Cheez-It Bowl. And I think he feels like, okay, if I don't do that, it's going to be Marcus Walker and Tall Marcus, sorry, Marcus Major and Tawi Walker each time. And I, I think both of them probably feel that edge a little bit. And on top of that, 
did Dalen Smothers not look the best out of all the running backs? Even a mop-up dude, he looks every time he gets in there, he makes something happen. When Dalen Smothers has been on the field, he looks really, really good. He looked honestly, he Dalen Smothers on Saturday looked like how I thought Gavin Sachuk and Javante Barnes were gonna look on Saturday. Dalen Smothers is Dalen Smothers is gonna be a stud. He's explosive and really, really quick. And that's again, that's why, like, if you look at the 4.3 yards per carry that OU has posted through three weeks, it's fine. But I just there were struggles running the ball against Tulsa. And again, everything you just say, like conference or uh, concern level being around four to five, it's not about the talent. Mm-hmm. I, to me, it's more about do these coaches know how they want to handle the reps on the field? Because if Gavin and Javante are hypothetically your top two running backs, but they're not producing, every time you give a rep to somebody, you're taking a rep away from somebody else. So I think it's more mm-hmm. about can they sort that out in the next couple of weeks before they face Texas. Okay, so defensively for Oklahoma, there's some injuries. Harrington, Pearson's a little bit dinged up. Um, I think our Mason Thomas should be a lot better this week. Desal McCullough should be a lot better this week. But what do you think the keys are for them to really stop Cincinnati? Because Cincinnati's offense moves the ball. I think they've had like 600 yards a couple of times, uh, total offense, if I remember correctly. Um, obviously, Emory Jones is a dual threat. He He epitomizes the word phrase dual threat or moniker, if you will. Um, And obviously you got Xavier Henderson, a wide receiver. You have some good running backs as well. Defensively for Oklahoma, what do they need to do to be 4-0 come Saturday afternoon? Yeah, that's everything you said. I mean, Brandon, Cincinnati's eighth in the country in rushing offense through three weeks. And what was this team's kryptonite above anything else last year on defense? It was mobile mm-hmm. running quarterbacks. And I mean, just running, I mean, running offenses and gen- offenses who could run the ball in general, but yep. especially mobile quarterbacks. It is it is encouraging to see how good OU has been defensively at stopping the run the first three weeks. I think they're 15th in the country. Uh, and opposing uh, rushing yards. I think they've they've allowed less than 2.3 yards per carry um, through three weeks. That's really impressive, even compared to three weeks or through three weeks last year. This, to me, has the makings of a Danny Stutzman game all over it. To me, if you're Oklahoma coming into this game, especially if if you're if you're without you know someone like Reggie Pearson. This is gonna, I mean, it's going to be a really big game for Peyton Bowen, too. But to me, and Emory Jones can throw the ball a little bit, but to me, you make him beat you with your arm. And if he does, then you adjust. But this Cincinnati offense wants to run the ball. I think you, mm-hmm. you load up on that front seven. You tell your linebackers to fill gaps, be concerned about not only the running game, but, but Emory Jones getting outside the pocket. Make him beat you with your arm, and then you adjust. I think it's – you kind of have to pick your poison now. I know Cincinnati lost to Miami of Ohio last weekend, but this Cincinnati offense can move the ball. Yes, and they, can. So they can. So I think honestly, coming into this game for me, Brandon, this is 
is it going to be Cincinnati's really hot start to running the ball? Is that going to be what wins the day or is it OU's rushing defense? That's really what this is going to come down to. And I think that starts with someone like Danny Stutzman. I mean, the defensive line is going to be critical, but I think this has got a Danny Stutzman game written all over it on the road against a mobile quarterback. Can he and that linebacker group fill the gaps, contain the pocket, get stops in the backfield? Yeah. And I mean, look, offensively, we've talked about, right, the uh, Sooners need to um, establish the offensive line, particularly the offensive line needs to play better. Uh, and their Cincinnati is ridiculously good on the defensive front, right? The defensive line in particular. Um, I'm, I'm very, very impressed with their front four. It almost feels like that. I, I think that may be probably the most important part of the whole game, to be honest, because you got to protect, uh, Dylan Gabriel, and somehow, some way, you got to establish the run. And I mean, the defensive line for um, Cincinnati is ridiculously. They're they're good. They they might be the best D line in the Big Twelve. Is that a fair statement? Ten sacks through three games. Ten mm-hmm. sacks. It's really good. I mean, I think they're top fifteen. They're top fifteen in sacks. Um. So, again, just like we were talking about with Cincinnati's rushing offense to OU's rushing defense, the other side of it is OU's offensive line has only given up one sack through three weeks. Cincinnati has 10 sacks on the year. Can OU keep Dylan Gabriel clean? And I think you're you're absolutely right. The running game needs to be established. But to me, Brandon, this, again, has a – to me, it has the feel of a similar game plan to Tulsa where you – if Cincinnati's vulnerable, it's in the secondary. I think we're going to see Dylan Gabriel – Air it out like almost use the pass to establish the run, but that is going to be tough. And I do think I think OU can win comfortably, but I do think that offensive line is going to get tested by Cincinnati. Absolutely, I think Cincinnati will probably come away with a couple of sacks. I do. I, I I tend to agree. I think they have the Godfather in the middle, and Corleone, Dante Corleone, and That's the name. it is man. Like he 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 literally his last name's Corleone. You have to call him the Godfather. In his NIL is Godfather's Pizza, if I remember correctly. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, that's legit awesome. So, um, I was watching some interviews with him, and he comes from such a humble background and beginning that it's hard not to root for the guy. Now, obviously, with our job, everything's better when Oklahoma's doing well, but like the, the dude. He can ball, and I think he's down to like 315 pounds. Um, They say he's one of the best leaders that they've seen come through that program, and that's a program with some pretty decent history over the last decade or so. They made the playoff. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing is I remember Cincinnati came to town, I think it was 2008, I want to say, yeah, eight or nine, 2008 or nine. I think it was eight, 2008. Yeah. And they were ranked then. Like they were a good team. I I feel like who was their coach then? Um, LSU's head coach. Uh, 
the fake the fake uh country boy from Notre Dame. Um oh my oh. gosh, if I say so what? If I wouldn't have said it, I would have already known, man. Wait, was it Brian Kelly? He was Brian Kelly, I think. He had to be Brian Kelly, right? Yeah, I think that's and right. So yeah, it, they were a good team. I remember they they Oklahoma had some issues to start before they just started rolling. And then they went to Cincinnati, I believe, in 2010, yeah. 11. Yeah. yeah, and then beat them fairly. Um, so, I mean, there's some history there. I mean, even somewhat recent history in the last decade or so uh, between the two programs. So, um, outside of the D line, the O line, and the D line. Is Danny Stutzman the key to the game for Oklahoma defensively? Like 100%, every time he touches the field, has to be the key, right? Like how yeah. he places, how he goes is how they go, correct? Yes. And there, and like, it sounds obvious to say that, but there are going to be, but there are going to be games where the secondary is crucial. Where, mm. I mean, Danny Stutzman is going to be important in every game, but given what Cincinnati wants to do offensively, given how much they want to run the ball. This has got a Danny Stutzman game written all over it. There will be other weeks where it's going to be guys like Billy Bowman and and Woody Washington and Peyton Bowen. Um, But this week, defensively, you know, on the road, here's the thing. If if there was ever going to be a time for Cincinnati to be pumped up to play, it's going to be their first Big 12 game at home a week after a brutal overtime loss to Miami of Ohio. That Mm -hmm. crowd is – I mean – there's a lot of young guys on our OU defense. I think sometimes youth and experience can be sometimes over-exaggerated. But when you're – I mean, Jaron Kanick, you know, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, Peyton Bowen, guys – you know, Josiah Wagner plays, Gentry Williams. Those are guys that haven't been environment in environments like this before. That's mm-hmm. why with how, what Cincinnati wants to do offensively, Danny Stutzman is a veteran who's played a ton of snaps – this has got him all over it. No, I agree. And uh, there was a question here on the the chat. It says, do they spy Emory Jones? And hmm, I don't know. Question. That's a great question. I don't know. I think I think what they're – I'm, I'm sure that's part of their game plan if they have to go do it. But I feel like they're going to preach gap soundness, gap integrity – playing and doing your job all week long in hopes that they don't have to go to a spy. But if they do, I think you have to put Jaron Kanick on him. Let him just spy him up because that's going to be the guy that's going to be able to keep up with him out of the two linebackers. And it's not saying Stutzman's not fast because he is. He's super fast. Kanick's a 4-3 guy, 4-4 guy. There's a difference between four five, four six, and four three, four four. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. So, um, I, I that's just just how I envision it going this week, and I, I'm sure they are going to run some spy. Like I think you have to, with you have to, yeah. but I don't think they want to make that just the focal point of the game plan. Because you're taking a piece off the board when you do that. I agree. I think that's something they sprinkle in and then implement more fully if Emory Jones is just getting outside the pocket and killing them. But yeah, I think that's, mm. I think if you're OU, 
I, I, even if, I mean, I think it's not only just about not wanting to take that piece off the board. I think you want to put the challenge to your linebackers and a defensive line to maintain gap integrity and go make plays, be physical. And yeah, yeah I mean, you could end up needing to use the, a spy quite a bit, but I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's more of a break, you know, in case of emergency type of move and maybe they sprinkle it in a little bit throughout the game. Mm. Yeah, no, uh, but that's a but that's a really good question. It yeah. could it could absolutely happen, and it could be OU's game plan. Absolutely, could be, no doubt. Um, real quickly, I don't know, you know, <clears throat> how much more we're gonna go here. Um, what's your prediction on the game? Let's see. Uh, Brian and I did our Oklahoma Drill podcast earlier today. Uh, I said. I want to say I said 40 I want to say I said 48 I said 38 21 I said 38 21 and I think I think OU covers um and a 17 point win is is you know 17 point win can look a lot of different ways but I mean I think it's I think you're happy with a 17 point win if you are going on the road to start conference play uh, against a team you're not familiar with um playing in their first big 12 game and yeah i mean enough players have mentioned it the last couple of days brandon that the that the three and oh start to last year thing is a real thing i think that's going to be on their minds a lot of young guys in this environment i do think cincinnati will make some plays offensively i think that defensive line will make some plays too i -hmm. think it's i think it's it's probably a competitive game to start at least for most of the first half and then OU pulls away in the second half i don't know what what do you see Mm. I've been thinking about this since uh, I saw Cincinnati lost to Miami of Ohio uh, on Saturday. And there's a part of me that thinks they kind of looked ahead because they were so excited to get to the Big 12. I think they're better than that. I know they are because they went to Pittsburgh and they won. I think that can't be overlooked, even though I think West Virginia kind of blew out Pittsburgh. If I Is that correct? Last weekend? Well, now I'm blanking. Yeah, I I feel like they did. I feel like they won pretty handily. I can't remember. Um, or at least they maybe 17, I to 17 to 6, West Virginia. Okay, yeah. So, um, that said, I, I, I think that this team's ready to go in. And like you said, I think the, the 3-0 and thing and starting the losing that they did in 2022 is – weighing heavily on their minds like they understand it to the point that brent venables brought that up in the post-game presser on saturday like said we're not gonna know how these guys are gonna do obviously what happened last year happened and for us to be taken seriously we've got to get past the three and oh and become four and oh if not people are gonna go okay here we go again that's essentially how he paraphrased it and he he kind of said look but we don't know until we get out there, how these kids are going to react to that type of pressure. Now, I feel like this team's different. I feel like Gabriel's different. I feel like Stutzman's different. Uh, I feel like as long as those two have decent games, I expect Oklahoma to win. Now, how they play and to what degree they play is the difference between 
you know, the the gap of the victory, in my opinion. So I'm going to go with they have a pretty good game, both of them. And I think Oklahoma wins 34-24. I don't – there's a lot of people that have some wild scores, and they think Oklahoma is going to blow them out, but I just don't see it. I think 34-24. If they win by 10 points on the road at Cincinnati – or even like a 34-21. I think that gets people's attention. Like, okay, these guys are actually for real. Like the defense may be somewhat for real. Because Cincinnati's offense is pretty good. Like, they're decent. No, I look, I agree. And here's the thing. I don't really... T- I, I've said this a couple times already. I don't put a ton of stock into that Miami of Ohio loss last weekend. I really don't. Brandon, we're seeing all kinds of wacky things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, football right now the transfer portal has parody really even the playing field i mean it just has now i'm not saying there aren't teams that are objectively way better and have more talent than others but i i think the cincinnati team has talent i mean i i don't know if they're going to finish in the top five of the big 12 but i mean when i think the cincinnati team has talent i think they're going to push ou in a couple of ways not that ou doesn't respond or doesn't perform well like their rushing defense but Cincinnati has talent. I don't think it can be overstated how crazy that environment's going to be on Saturday. And yeah. to open conference play, it's just Cincinnati, even if they're not the best team in the Big 12, the gap between OU's first three opponents and Cincinnati is going to be substantial. It just is. You don't think that SMU's on the same level as Cincinnati, potentially? They are. I don't, I don't think there's that big. I don't think there's a big gap. No, I don't. But I think Cincinnati will be a. a I agree little, with that. Yeah, Cincinnati will be a bigger test. But yeah, no, because it's on the road. That 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 changes everything. First Big Twelve game again yeah. for a lot of the young guys on both sides of the ball, Brandon. I mean, there is a mental aspect to this, and I mean, again, I think we're going to see young guys on both sides of the ball have a big moment. But like, there's nothing wrong with a ten point win on the road to start conference play. Mm-hmm. When you're relying on a lot of young guys, ten point, seventeen point win. You said ten. I said seventeen. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There's really there's really not. You can get a win in conference play after the year OU had last year. You can get it on the road. You'll take that. And I will say this. I think we will be talking on Saturday night about how good the defense looked, all things considered. And I think we're going to be talking about how Dylan Gabriel is. I think this is going to be Dylan Gabriel's best game yet. I really – I think he's going to throw all over. Ooh. That's my hey, that, my no, hey, if he does that on Big Noon – you're going to start seeing the Heisman talk start to ramp up for him. Like it's just going to happen. He's Oklahoma's quarterback. That's just part of being Oklahoma's quarterback. If you, he's already, his stat line is already ridiculous. So if he can piggyback off that, that would be quite, and yeah, I'd be very, very impressive. Um, Real quickly before we close this thing out, Again, big get for Oklahoma, Danny Okoye, four-star defensive end, top 250 kid rivals. He's one of the top 150, depending on who you look at, in some cases. Uh, potential to move up as well. If he He's going to come back this week, should be healthy. And I, I honestly think he's probably going to be a lot more focused now that the recruitment's over. 
So you'll probably see a different Dan, uh, Danny Okoye as well. So uh, I really, really like that get for Oklahoma. Another guy that's on the board for Oklahoma is obviously four-star athlete Terry Bussey. Oklahoma likes him at the um, wide receiver position. So we'll see. Um, I still think AM is going to win. So win that battle, but Oklahoma is not going to give up. We've talked about it for a long time. They're going to stay recruiting him till national signing day. Just how I feel this is going to play out. And then obviously I think Oklahoma is going to be looking to make some flips. Uh, and then they obviously they got to go to Tulsa Union and get Devin Jordan to pop, pop on board. And I feel like, you know, Oklahoma leads. But his position coach at Union is played at TCU and G8 at TCU. So there is TCU does have some sway there. That's potentially why this thing has um, taken kind of a slower turn as far as Devin Jordan's recruitment's gone. Uh, and then obviously Oklahoma fans, if you're if you're looking for another podcast, the Oklahoma breakdown with Jesse and Brian is great. It's Oklahoma very, drill. very analytical, huh? Oklahoma, Oklahoma drill. Sorry, Oklahoma, Oklahoma drill. Oh my god, I, I read breakdown on here just a second ago. We need a breakdown, and I combined <laughs> the two words: Oklahoma drill. The Oklahoma drill. The Oklahoma breakdown is a good podcast too. But the Oklahoma it drill. Um, you need to go check it out. It's a really good podcast. They're super analytical about a lot of things. Get really in depth on some of the X's and O's and a lot of the, you know, just the interviews and whatnot that we don't get to on here. Cause we talk a lot of recruiting as well. And then obviously I would, I can't remember what else I'm supposed to touch on here, Spencer. Um, oh yeah. By the way, go to YouTube. Brian, our guy, Brian Clinton has a great film breakdown of OU Cincinnati. It is fantastic. It's great. It's great. I mean, in depth, you guys that love that stuff and want to understand football a little bit more, he's great at that. And he really, really makes it simple for you all. So go check that out as well. And just a reminder as well, look, we have, um, we're giving away OU Texas tickets on OU Insider. The drawing ends at 11. So if you want to go sign up, go sign up right now. You can get Oklahoma OU Insider, excuse me, for $9.99 a month right now. And the potential to win OU Texas tickets that, you know, I can tell you they were about $1,500 for a pair. So the value exchange that you're getting is immense. And we do more. We're going to give away tickets to OU Iowa State. And we give away not just one or two or three. Like we give away usually three members or so usually win those. Um, I think we've given away almost 50 members have won so far. So, I mean, that's huge. Uh, and that's just our thank you to the OU Insider members. And we do other giveaways as well. So, and then if you want to come join us at our tailgate at Iowa State in two weeks as well, it'll be on Lindsay Street. Come say hi to us before the game. We would love to meet you guys. Tell us your screen name. Talk to us. Ask us questions. I can tell you more in person than I can on here on the board. So talk to us. You know, come say hi. Uh, and yeah, 
that's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider under the visor YouTube live for my man Spencer, uh, for my man Jesse Crittenden, for Spencer Forsythe. My name is Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed day.